hello and welcome to the show. If I told you that the word vamp has found its way into the English language dictionary in 1915 because of a woman named Theodosia Burr Goodman, you probably would have no idea who that woman is. If I told you, though, that the lady was Theda Berra, some of you might know who I'm talking about. Since I have found my love for old Hollywood because of the costumes, I knew about Theda Berra early on because her costumes were wild. If you want to know more about how Theodosia became Theda and what this has to do with vamp, well then, listen on. Who is Theodosia Burr Goodman? Theodosia Burr Goodman was born on the 29th of July, 1885. Her parents were of Jewish descent and they came from Poland and Switzerland. Both of them worked, so they had two incomes and therefore they were able to provide an upper middle class upbringing to their three kids. Theodosia was the oldest and she was called Teddy during her childhood years. She proved to be a very surprising and mischievous little child and she always wanted to be the center of attention. She especially loved to play the dirty-faced brat. <laughs> and what she did from an early age on was to observe people. She would notice their mimics, their behaviors, their poses, and she stored it for further reference. There was some kind of incident where her mother fainted, and she reenacted that again and again because she found it so rewarding. Something else which inspired her desire to act and to be the center of attention was a school of reciting that was taught during that time when she was a kid around the turn of the century, where the book that was in circulation back then educated people on how to exaggerate gestures and movements to show emotion. Like, for example, putting the back of your hand on your forehead and arching your back in this kind of desperate state. So that really were two things that instilled in her this like love for performing. She attended high school and even the University of Cincinnati for two years. As her biographers note, she was like one of the highest educated actresses in old Hollywood because some of them didn't have any formal education, dropped out of school or did not attend any further education after high school. So she really was a very bright, very intelligent and very interested young woman. She dropped out of the University of Cincinnati after two years, which is not uncommon. If girls went to university, they hardly ever finished university but went there. So she had her two-year stay at the University of Cincinnati and then she left the university because she found and discovered her love for acting and she wanted to pursue it. First she did so in local theater productions and then she moved to New York, the center of the theater and movie scene. She was already 23 years old at that time, which for Hollywood at any time in history was already not that young anymore. And she made her start in theater because uh, that is Broadway. That was where the stars went. There was no huge movie industry. There was a small movie industry and there was a big theater industry. And she found her start in the theater. She made her debut in The Devil and her work, her acting was very well received. And 
She was acting then under her mother's maiden name, which was the Copette. So she was everywhere credited and listed as Theodosia the Capet. This was also the time when she got interested in mysticism and spiritualism. And when she toured the very successful play The Quaker Girl together with Hedda Hopper, which we have heard before, the latter would later reminisce that Bera would go on and on and on about like spiritual things and a mystic, say so that Hopper would eventually start hearing knocks on the wall and things falling. Although Theda Bera and Hedda Hopper would become lifelong friends after the Quaker Girl, which they did together and which together they toured the country with, Hedda Hopper never thought a lot of Theda Bera's acting. Bera toured the country with several plays, not only the Quaker Girl, but she hopped from one theater role to the next, found another company that she could travel with, and she toured the theaters of America. And it took her nine long years years that she got a role as an extra in a movie which was called The Stain and it was directed by director Frank Powell. The next movie she starred in has a little backstory that I have to tell you to understand the impact of the movie. So it all began in 1896 and it was when Philip Byrne Jones published a painting called The Vampire and his uncle Rudyard Kipling wrote a poem to this painting, which was called A Fool There Was. And both were exhibited that year and became part of common cultural knowledge. So everybody knew the painting, everybody could recite a poem. And the painting, I will link it in the show notes, shows a very dark-haired, beautiful woman with a very wicked smile, leaning over an unconscious man in bed. And apparently... It is believed that this woman is Mrs. Patrick Campbell, which is a British, very prominent British stage actress, leaning over George Bernard Shaw that she had an affair with back then. And the scene, like the timing of the scene is after she has conquered and depleted him. And we have to dial into what this vampire and this depleting means in the cultural reception during that time to understand the meaning and what is going to happen afterwards. So in American society and culture, social Darwinism has found its roots. And it was believed that only the fittest would survive. And it was also believed that the vital essence of life was stored in the male genitals and that sex would make men dumber and would rot their brain because they would spread their white healthy thin and not be left a lot, not left with essence of who they are. And in the cultural context, it was also believed that men, as they age, would become more focused on the mind and the logic of things, whereas women would have no particular feeling of self but be faithful and obedient housewives. In the painting and the poem... The woman is the vampire who uses man's vital essence up, exhausts him and uses him up. The idea of the predatory female was also becoming more prominent because women were spreading out into the real world, into the workforce. And many men felt threatened by women. So these trains of thought, like the cultural heritage of the vampire, of the fool there was, about the looming threat by women in the workforce, this all led William Fox to the decision to make a movie out of this plot, out of this painting, out of the poem. And he asked director Frank Powell, who worked for Fox and directed Disdain with Theodosia Burgutman in it, who he would suggest for the role of the vampire. And this is when he suggested Theodosia Burgutman for the role. 
In this movie, Theodora Goodman, as the vampire, seduces a married husband and father, and they are just living the good life after he has left his wife and child behind. And it's the story of the weak-willed man who cannot defend himself against this predatory sexual woman. It's the struggle of civilization and the end of civilization if the woman wins. And during the movie, the man gets weaker and weaker, depleted of his vital essence. And his dutiful and faithful wife wants to take him back whilst the vampire is out of the flat that they're living together. But the vampire returns and she kisses the man one last time. It's like she essentially draws the last drop of vitality out of the husband who is like just just skin and bones with nothing left. And this seductress is a main threat to masculinity and the male ego. William Fox, he was very sly and cunning. And one of the biographers from Fidabera actually says so, like, I have no respect for this man. He was actually not a good person. He turned down many, many actresses for the role of the vamp because he wanted an unknown. And when Powell recommended Theodosia Goodman, he was good with it. He wanted her because she was different. She was unknown. And she had that thing about her. He put her under contract. And this contract is just like so detailed. And some of the clauses in it were, you cannot marry within three years of this contract signing. You must be heavily wailed in public. You cannot use public transport. You cannot appear in the theater. You cannot attend Turkish baths. You cannot close the windows of your limousine. You cannot pose for staff shots. And you can only go out at night. Like, this is so specific, right? And he knew that publicity was so important. And he knew he had to do it right this one time to get his studio off the ground. Because until Theodosia turned up at William Fox's, the studio didn't do so well. So William Fox hired two journalists who regularly freelanced for him and challenged them to come up with a good name and a good story for this unknown actress. Because, as I said, he knew that he had to do a lot of publicity and really make this one count. It was just the right material for this time, and unknown Theodosia was just the perfect fit for the role, with her large, hungry eyes. And boy, what a story they came up with. They shortened her name Theodosia to Theda and used Bera as a surname, apparently because she has mentioned that she has a relative named Berenger. And they also gave a whole new life story. Gone was Theodosia Burr Goodman from middle-class Ohio, and born was Theda Bera, daughter of an Arabian and a French sculptor that was born in the shadow of the Sphinx in Egypt. Her mother and her, they had to escape to France, where she had learned acting on stage and had become a famous star. And this all was announced during a press conference, which was in a dimly lit room, like all the curtains were closed and it was like really dark and mysterious. And Theda Berra didn't say a word. She was just sitting there looking mysterious and romantic. Film critic and gossip girl Luella Parsons also attended this press conference. And later she recounted that right after the official end of the press conference, Theda got up, opened the windows and exclaimed in a very thick Midwestern accent, give me some air. 
So it was from the beginning, it was clear that it was all just a legend. It was a made-up story. And it is so particularly legendary because everybody knew it was a joke. And that was kind of the allure of it. And that very year, in 1915, VAMP got into the dictionary for the first time as a noun, a verb, and an adjective. And that was because of the character, the vampire, the vamped, Theda Berra played on screen. And if you watch some parts of the movie or the whole movie, you can find snippets on it on YouTube, you can see how she is made up, like her face makeup. She has like those large, dark-rimmed eyes, like with the coal. It's the coal liner, which the Arabians used to protect their eyes from the sunlight, and which we women use for like eyeliners. She did the coal thing, and she has like very dark-rimmed eyes, very thick. So it was a very particular style, and that is still associated with vamp or femme fatale, or any kind of sexually active predatory woman who is going to be like more than just a nice girl next door. So that is something she had established as like a trademark sign of the vamp. And everybody was crazy about this movie. Everybody knew it. And Theda Berra was an instant star. So after nine years of waiting for a role in the movies, she had her breakthrough with this one movie. And Fox wanted to make lots of money off of her. And he put her in one movie after the other. And she basically did the same role again and again and again in different variations, like with a different background, with the other story. But basically, she was always the wimp. And by the end of her first year at Fox, she had already starred in 10 movies and nine of them had been vamps. Theda Berra became Fox's most successful star. And actually, she made Fox. Without her, probably the studio wouldn't have survived. And although Theda Berra actually was an accomplished actress and had paid her dues on the stage for nine long years to get where she now was, she just was reduced to playing this stereotype of woman. She got very tired of playing the vamp over and over again. The vamp did change, though. It became more of the striving woman, like a woman who was striving for sexual as much as intellectual fulfillment and who would take revenge on mankind when being betrayed. And there was, again, the underlying belief that men would become more intellectual with age, whereas women would become more and more passive and not interested in life. This predatory woman... No matter what it was, the purely just sexual depleting of WAMP or the striving woman who was seeking fulfillment, it was this vamp and it was supposed to be a cautionary tale. But people found it very, very titillating. Roughly 182 million had seen her 11 movies combined. Theda became the international champ. Vamp. She was the first one and she did it like with every background. She played Russian, Mexican, modern American. She played any kind of vamp. But this time as a striving vamp, she was driven by fate, not by evilness and by pure vampireness. Director Frank Powell got replaced by Ralph Walsh and then by Che Gordon Edwards. And Theda and Gordon Edwards became what would be known as the Theda unit. Because at a time, Fox always paired an actress with a director and they together would make a movie. 
which kind of makes sense. So she was paired with Gordon Edwards. For a change, she filmed under two flags and that was not a vamp movie. It was just like a very different personality in the movie. And the critics said that that should be the kind of movie that theatre should do. And she also tried to hand at Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. And then she did four other classic roles. For example, Victor Hugo's Esmeralda in The Darling of Paris, which is loosely based on The Hunchback of Notre Dame. She did Madame Camélie, she did Madame du Barry, and she did Cleopatra. And Cleopatra is actually like the height of her fame. Theda Berra's version of Cleopatra is actually one of the most sought-after films of the lost films. This movie, along with almost all others of Fox, has been destroyed in the Fox World Fire of 1937. But there are still so many stills available today that one can easily recreate the whole movie, the costumes, the set design, like the mimics. You have like basically a still photograph from each scene. For this particular movie, the Fox PR department has kept the best for last. They probably knew early on that Theta Berra was an anagram for Arab death. But they had saved this jewel of information for the promotion of Cleopatra. For the filming of this movie, Theta would have to leave New York and move to L.A. Because up until now, all the movies are filmed in New Jersey, because this is actually the first Hollywood of the U.S. So this was where the film industry got big. And then they moved to L.A. because of the steady weather conditions, so they could even film in the winter. And so Fox had also opened a studio there, and this is where Cleopatra was going to be filmed. And Cleopatra was Fox's biggest production to date. And Theda was dressed in 50 distinctively different costumes. And most of them could be described as barely there. If you have already seen some of the costume stills of the movie, you know what I'm talking about. She is basically naked with a little bit of string around her. This was all before the Hays Code, like the censorship, was enforced in Hollywood. She said about herself during the filming, I've gotten over being self-conscious about my costumes. And that is good, because otherwise she wouldn't have been able to film Cleopatra. It would just be not possible. The son of her co-star, her co-star was Fritz Leiber, and he played Julius Caesar. So the son of his, who was called Fritz Leiber Jr., described Theda Berra as really nice. She was nice to colored people. This is something he especially noted because in that time there was still the distinction between white people and black people in the United States. And she was just very friendly and very nice to everybody, no matter the skin color. And he also noted that there was nothing special about her voice and that he could tell that she had no elocution lessons. And he recounted that he was impressed by her dark brown eyes. They seemed very dark and hungry. He later wrote a story that was called The Woman with the Hungry Eyes. And he himself said that he was probably inspired to this by none other than Theda Berra. Cleopatra cost almost $300,000 back then and had a cinema run for almost two years. But... It was not the greatest piece of work because Theda was a classical stage actress who had, as I said in the beginning, received some training in the exaggerated gesturing for conveying emotion. So she did that. And it didn't translate so well into the movies. By the time she did Cleopatra, people were already used to seeing the actors on the screen acting not as grandly, not as vividly as those on stage. 
but Theda continued doing so. So one critic said about her performance, when she was not repulsive, she was funny. I really would love to watch this movie to have like my own opinion of that. But for now, I have to live with the stills and the images of the costumes. So she did some other movies afterwards. One of them was Madame du Barry, um, which apparently was her favorite movie. And probably it's because of the costumes by George James Hopkins, who would later become her protégé. And during that time, Theda Berra made a new movie approximately every seven weeks, and she earned about $3,000 a week. This is not adjusted to inflation, so I actually don't know what $3,000, but probably it's something about fifteen dollars or $16,000 a week. She actually wanted a vacation. She wanted to take some time off because she had been filming for over a year without any interruption. Like every day she was filming for Fox and she was doing again and again the vamp, the thing that she didn't like very much. So she wanted to have a vacation. She stepped away, but Fox did not let her. Instead, he handed her a new role and more roles. Something that once seemed bold, like the vamp, was now repetition because she got the same roles again and again. Theda Berra herself actually scripted a movie which was called The Soul of Buddha and it was loosely based on Matahari's story but it was not very well received because this was not the kind of Theda Berra that people wanted to see. And then it was announced that there would be another Theda Berra superproduction in the works after Cleopatra which was the first Theda Berra superproduction and that second one was going to be Salome. George Hopkins, again, did the costumes and the reviews of Salome surpassed those of Cleopatra. Salome actually is believed to be Theda Berra's masterpiece. It was a way better production. Theda Berra was way more beautiful in this movie and it was so much better received than Cleopatra. But this is also a lost film, so we do not know exactly how the movie was. And then... Theda Berra's contract with Fox was about to expire and the news went wild with guessing whether Barra would stay at Fox or not and there was gossip and there were rumors and there were just a couple of movies she was expected to do until the end of the contract. But Theda Berra and her director Edwards were split so she was teamed up with new directors for the remainder of her contract and she just stopped caring. She stopped giving 100%. Up until then, she had been super professional. She had been like very much on point. She did the best she could. But then she just stopped caring. She didn't want to do the filming anymore. You know, the only thing she actually wanted was to go on vacation, which Fox did not allow her. So you can kind of see why her biographer does not like Fox. Theda Berra basically had made Fox in 1921, Theda Berra wed Charles Brabin. Who was Charles Brabin? He came from England initially. His father was the first to ship live cattle from Australia to England, where they lived. And Charlie was sent to Chicago because he was bringing the family into a little disgrace with his womanizing. He actually was working for the Thomas Edison Company back in the day. And Thomas Edison companies were having all the patents on the East Coast that you needed to make a movie. So they were like really influential in the movie business. Everybody who wanted to make a movie on the East Coast had to deal with the Thomas Edison Company. But Charles Brabin also liked to write his own scripts. And he was already a very successful film director at the time when he got to know Theda. And he was supposed to direct Theda. And they two decided on two stories, which Fox okayed. 
All in all, Theda Berra had made actually 39 movies in only 56 months for Fox, which is like less than two months for each movie. And when her contract expired, she went on vacation to Europe to just think about her future, about what she would do next. And when she came back to the US, she went back to Broadway, like all the way back where she started out, like the nine years before she started out in the movie business. She went back to the stage. And the Broadway producer she teamed up with put her in the blue flame. And that was actually like a take on Frankenstein in the sense of that a woman is reborn, but her soul is not. It was the campiest thing you could think of before camp even was a thing. But it was like a financial success for Theta Berra because she had negotiated a $1,500 a week salary plus half of all the wins. So despite the financial success, it was a professional catastrophe. It was like the beginning of her demise because it was really crap. It was not a good thing. In 1922, David Oselsnick actually wanted to sign Theda Berra because he was looking for something special. Not only a vamp, he wanted to create something new and he saw in her something that he wanted to build. But unfortunately, Selznick had a stroke and that ruined all the business plans, all the creative plans and all the negotiations that he already started. So that fell flat for Theda. In the meantime, husband Charles Brabant had been challenged or tasked to do Ben-Hur. But his movie went over budget even before it started filming because you have like all the ships and you have all the soldiers and, you know, to put up all the scenery and all the set design. And he was fired. And so there was no money coming in. So Theda Berra decided to make a movie. She actually, you know, when she came back from Europe, she decided not to make movies anymore. But now that the financial situation was a bit dire, she decided to make the movie The Unchastened Woman. And then she did Madame Mystery, a comedy with Hal Roach as part of a two-picture deal that she made with him. But she found it so horrific and it actually is not a good movie that she did not come back for the second movie. Instead, they used like some extra scenes that she had filmed during The Mystery Woman and used that instead during the second movie. So she didn't have to come back to film something. And this concluded her movie career. She did not appear on screen ever again. And she lived happily ever after in Beverly Hills. And she was altogether in 44 pictures without ever saying a word on screen. So she really is a queen of the silent movies. So it really was a sensation when audiences could finally hear her voice on a radio show in the 1930s. So she really spoke and she has the most pleasant voice. So I'm pretty sure she would have succeeded in the talkies, but she had stopped filming before they became a thing in her time. So Theda Berra is very influential on life, on culture. Like she has a tremendous impact on me. I was fascinated by her the first time I saw a photograph of her in a costume of Cleopatra because she is so distinct. She's completely different than all the other old Hollywood beauties that you see. I mean, if you think of old Hollywood glamour, you see Marilyn Monroe, you see Marlena Dietrich, you see Greta Garbo. 
And she is not like that. She is not particularly beautiful. She is like very average. She does not have the slender body that most like 1920s, 1930s actresses had. This is very particular, I think. She really had this aura, this personality that was greater than her looks. I think she was she was showing a version of a woman that was freeing to some other women because they saw a woman on screen that was like average and was still making men crazy, who would still be like such a woman that men would become sniveling insects. And that, I think, is a lure to me. She was just very different and she had those eyes, those dark eyes that filmed so well during the black and white era with those dark coal around her eyes. It was just very distinct. She was freeing women, showing them that there's another way of living than being like a dutiful and faithful wife, that you can have fun, that you have like a sexuality. That was not depicted before, actually, in such a predatory and active role. Theda Berra is the first Hollywood star who would be synonymous to a word in a dictionary that would be entered into the dictionary that very year that she had a success. Like she was the vamp, she was vamping and it was a vamp performance. So she did coin a word for the dictionary. It was just her performance. The concept of the vampire had been there for about 30 years or something, but it was just becoming culturally relevant when she did it, and she showed the people what it actually meant. And Theda Berra was actually the first mainstream vamp or femme fatale that destroyed men. And all the movies afterwards, they are influenced by what a vamp is, by her performance and how she was depicting the vamp. So she set the tone for what the predatory sexual woman would look like and what she would do. But there are a lot of other lessons and impacts on life, I think, I can take out of Theda's story. So it's just like when I researched Catherine Hepburn or Tallulah Bankhead. Determination is the single most important ingredient to success. No matter what your success or your definition of success looks like, you need to be determined. You need to be hungry for that success and you need to work for it. You need to wait for it, being certain that it will happen. Because with Catherine Hepburn, I think it was about three or four years. Um, with Tallulah Bankhead, it was a couple of years. And then with Theda Berra, it was nine years. So yes, success will come. But you have to be patient and you have to pay your dues and you have to work towards your dream. Otherwise, success will not come. And also the lesson that beauty standards do vary. As I said before, she had a very different body composition than all the other 1920s, 1930s, 1910 actresses. She was very voluptuous. She was not so slim and she had like a rounded face. But it was these dark, hungry eyes. And you can see that the standard of, of beauty is really changing. And whatever Hollywood is portraying is just trying to sell us something new, something different. And watching those old movies, I can see things do change. And it's not important. Like if you look at the silent movies, yes, they are very slim actresses. Some of the best known silent movie actresses are actually not very slim. But they have a beautiful face and they have like extraordinary mimics. They can do very good the body language which was very important in the silent movie. So it was completely different what was portrayed back then. And it didn't matter what kind of accent you had. It didn't matter whether you were like a Midwestern American or a Swede or a Polish person because the voice did not carry. So there was kind of a freedom there. The fourth lesson that I found in her story was 
Never let anyone trample over you. Stand up for your rights. Stand up for what you want. Don't succumb to someone else's desire for power or money because life is way too short to suffer. So I love Theda Bera. <laughs> I really do. And I hope you found her story just as interesting as I. I devoured everything that I could find about her because she's just such an interesting person. And I learned a lot of things along the way. Just like I learned that Vamp got into the dictionary in 1915 and you know it now too. Have a wonderful week and I will talk to you next week. Bye.